Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. It is the 1st of September 2021, which of course is terrifying because how in the flub is it actually September? It was like March the other day. We were like, oh, we can't go out of our houses. And now we are allowed out of our houses. But it's like, man, can you please slow down time? I don't think this is possible. Thank you very much for joining me as always on a Wednesday. It's our new day every Wednesday. We will drop an episode of the show. And of course, thank you to everybody that signed up to patreon.com forward slash Simon316. You're all very, very lovely people. It was nice having a chat with some of you over direct message as well and some of you said you're there for the Q&A and so on and so forth so thank you very much it was my pleasure to meet your acquaintance I believe is the phrase and shout out to pinsandknuckles.com uh, pins and knuckles always supporting the show which I massively appreciate I mean I was trying to think where we should talk about today of course we'll talk about all out which is going down in a few days the big AEW pay-per-view and that will probably be the main title of this thing too so don't worry we'll get there eventually but I did, I did want to touch on Raw. I don't think there's much to say about Raw, other than the fact that if you don't know, the rumor is that Vince McMahon apparently was more angry and more mad and more wound up than he ever has been. He ripped the script up, as he usually does, but apparently he ripped draft two and three up, which doesn't always go down, and he rewrote the whole thing. Now, from that kind of a context, I actually think it wasn't all that bad, which I don't even know what that means. But I did think this was a better Raw than usual, but this is balancing it off the other roars that we have seen what i mean by that is there was just fresh matches like on paper should be should you be doing rk bro versus mvp and bobby lashley not massively because then you're marrying up those tag titles and those world titles and it always feels that sullies the world championship is usually fine but i feel like the fact that damian priest was inserted into that too it just kind of makes the u.s championship and the tag team championship feel a little bit less but it was fresh and it was new and it was different. And I like the fact that Orton teased that maybe he's going to be working a program with Bobby Lashley, aside from everything we've just said. The Damian Priest, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus match I thought was awesome. And I kind of think, looking back now, why we did that mini feud between Drew and Sheamus, as good as it was, why we did it then and not save it till now when Drew desperately needs something to do, I have no idea. Like, it, it, it does, at the moment, it feels like McIntyre and Sheamus don't actually have a direction. And it's the same with Damian Priest, although WWE, credit where credit is due, has done a great job, absolutely great job with him. But I, I don't really know where it's all going to go. And if now we could have start done everything and the big tease and the tag team between Sheamus and Drew, I think the payoff would have been great. But hey, beggars can't be choosers. We've already done it, so there's no point talking about that. But the, the main chatting point that I wanted to get into, much as I did an ups and downs with the Charlotte versus Nia Jax match. Now, there has been a lot of opinion about this. Some people have said that it was a worked shoot, which, if you don't know, is essentially when you pretend you're having a real fight, but you're not. So, you know, the, the clue is in the name. Some people have said that they were so many botched moves, hate that terms, but, you know, it's a general one, that they fell out with each other. And, you know, there, there's all other kind of theories out there. The way I see it is this, and I could be totally wrong. What do I know? Just a bored asshole on the internet speaking speaking his mind. But the way I see it is I would imagine that they just lost their temper with one another. And when you see that red mist, no matter if you're in front of, you know, 10,000 people or, you know, meant to be doing a predetermined wrestling match, once you lose that rag, you do do stupid things. And I think it has to have been that because if you were working a shoot fight, when Charlotte runs into the ropes and Nia Jax just no-sells it entirely, you know, I think that's awkward for them. I think that's awkward for us. And, the, the, you know, some people have been comparing it to the likes of, oh, I can't remember now, but other stiff wrestling matches. You know, I, there was an example on the internet, but I can't remember now. And again, if you don't know what that means, stiff is when you lay stuff in. So once again, even though we're trying to protect each other, you may hit someone a little harder than you should because it looks good. And I don't think the two are the same. Personally speaking, I could be completely wrong. Actually, I think the other match that somebody compared it to was Red Velvet versus Penelope Ford. They got in touch with me on Twitter. They were super duper mad at me because apparently I'm biased towards AEW, which, by the way, is not true. I'm biased towards wrestling. I don't even think about that when I'm reviewing stuff. I just go, did I like it? Yes. Didn't I like it? No. Didn't even make sense. But, and their, their criticism of me was, well, you gave Penelope Ford versus Red Velvet and up, which I did. Because I thought even though there were mistakes in that match, they really showed experience beyond their years by, you know, using them and working them into the story of the match. Whereas the mistakes, if we want to call it that, in the Charlotte Nia match weren't people. I mean, it, there was some absolutely bad drops on the head and there were some bad bumps. But the big mistakes were the fact that they just <laughs> started not working with each other. 
And so, you know, I can easily get enjoyment out of the Penelope Ford Red Velvet match because I can I can look at it as a fan or to sound like an absolute numpty, I can look at it as a worker because I do wrestling myself and understand how hard it can be. But then when I watch Nia Jackson and Charlotte just running rings around each other, I kind of get confused. But the overwhelming thing that nobody else has talked about, mostly, and they don't have to either. I'm not saying that it's bad that nobody's talked about this, is that professional wrestling is really difficult. And I do think we forget this sometimes. And I'm not, I hate talking about it in one way because I don't want it to come across like I'm sitting on my, oh, well, I've done wrestling high horse. It doesn't make a difference. Even if you've never gone for a run in your entire life, you are allowed to have whatever opinion and you are allowed to be as critical about wrestling as you want. Personally speaking, in my own world, do I think people take it too far and get too negative? Of course. That doesn't mean I'm right. That's just my my specific taste. But after doing wrestling, just to try and give you my opinion on it, I can honestly tell you, you do not know how terrifying it is when something goes awry in a match. And I was up on in Liverpool on Sunday for TNT, and I was doing a six-man tag, turned out to be a five-man tag, because those damn Synergy, Synergy Brothers and Shreddy took out Big Guns Joe. If you know, you know. If you know, don't worry about it. I don't want to get too off track here. So it was a handicap match, three on two. And I had a really, really good time. It was really, really fun. I'm still kind of not where I want to be. You know, pre-pandemic, I was far more confident than I am now. And having far smoother matches, I'm still a little bit like a runaway freight train. But there was one, you know, breaking the fourth wall. There was one spot that didn't go as planned because I was anticipating one thing and somebody else was anticipating somebody else. And how did I respond to this being the greenhorn that I am? I stood still. <laughs> I was like, uh, and I watched it back. It doesn't actually look too bad. I mean, it looks kind of rickety and you can tell that something's up, but it doesn't look as awkward as I was worried about it. And that again, that's just something you have to teach yourself. And when you watch the super pros who have been doing for this for years and done the same thing, because of course they have, you do see, as mentioned, how they work it into matches, how they tie it into the story. And it's really, really cool. But I don't think that was the deal with Nair and Charlotte. If I was going to have to have a guess, and I don't know, I just think they fell out in the middle of a match. Much like if you work in finance, you've fallen out with Sally that works in accounts. Or if you work in McDonald's, you've fallen out with Brian who flips the burgers. It just so happened to be done in front of a, a worldwide audience. And to me, that you know, that's that. I don't think we have to talk about it anymore. I don't think it is an abomination to mankind. I don't think anybody should be fired. I saw one person saw that, and I thought they were absolutely nuts. And I know there's this stigma about Nia Jax, and she hurts people, and she injures people. And that may be true. It may not be true. But that's for WWE to sort out. I'm not going to stand here and point fingers at anybody, because I don't know... I know what I see, but I don't know what the common theme is backstage. And they can be two very different things, especially because you don't know what two wrestlers have decided on beforehand. It doesn't mean there haven't been some things that have come across as reckless to me, but I don't have all the information. I'm never going to have all the information, so I won't speculate. On the topic of speculation as well, and this is going way off tangent, honestly, I swear, there was this... I mean, it was a tiny hoo-ha because anything on Twitter is always a tiny hoo-ha. But there was a hoo-ha the other day that we shouldn't be speculating. You shouldn't be speculating. I was like, what are you talking about? Do you know what speculation is? It's a fancy, a fancy word for fantasy booking. That's all it is. If I want to say, oh, I think that Braun Strowman is going to impact. Do I know this? Of course not. But if I want to say, oh, wouldn't it be great if Braun Strowman is going to impact? Or I saw this tweet by Braun Strowman. I think it means this or blah, blah, blah. Of course I'm allowed to do that as long as I make out this isn't me reporting on anything. It's speculation. And even if you are a quote-unquote reporter, you're still allowed to speculate as long as you say it's speculation. But you get all these things that you can't even write an article these days that kind of watches something and go, well, I think this could happen without someone going, they shouldn't have written that. Of course you're allowed to write that. It's just about being honest and transparent. I think sometimes in wrestling, in all walks of life where we're completely honest, we get too bogged down with this serious nature when we forget that it's meant to be fun. So... Tying into the Charlotte and I thing, if you think it's a shoot fight and you want to do an article saying, oh man, I think they had a shoot fight, the key word there is think. Underline it. Make sure that you shout that out in the opening of your article. Of course you're allowed to have these opinions. I like reading things like this and I like people saying the opposite way. Like um, Busted Open Radio, Billy Ray did a, uh, Billy Ray, whatever we're calling him, Billy Ray, did a whole monologue about this and what he thought. Did I agree with many of his opinions? Not entirely, but did I appreciate it and enjoy it? Yes. Because that's what it's all about. It's about dialogue. It's about going back and forth and seeing where we end up. But it was very entertaining. I would much rather Raw was like that than some of the gubbins that we usually get. So I'm not going to be too negative about it because, yeah, <laughs> give me give me those kind of talking points uh, forever. Although on the subject of talking points, we've got to cut down that opening promo. I think it was about 18 minutes this week. It is way too long. We don't need to wheel every single body out every single time. But I did think Raw was fine. Uh, I always enjoy SmackDown. I know they've kind of fallen into a pattern when they do the same kind of thing, but I just do. I like Happy Corbin. I'm totally aware that it is just a rip-off of Cameron Grimes' gimmick, but I am able to go... 
it, it's definitely unfair when it comes to Cameron Grimes, but I'm still enjoying what Baron Corbin is doing. Like I can have these. They're not mutually exclusive things. The Roman Finn Balor stuff fascinates me because sort of underlines that Brock Lesnar's comeback must have been last minute. Because if we are now weaving Finn Balor back into the storyline, that makes perfect sense. You know, why the hell did Brock Lesnar come and stare down Roman Reigns and not turn up on SmackDown, especially after he was advertised for the thing? And that really is something I think WWE needs to tone back because there would have been at least one person that tuned in to SummerSlam for Sasha Banks. And there would be at least one person that tuned into SmackDown for Brock Lesnar. And while you got the hit this time, eventually people learn. Like, the retro ups and downs of this week over on What Culture is Starcade 97. And when you see that Sting Hulk Hogan finish, you start to realize why people stopped buying WCW pay-per-views because they didn't trust what they were going to get. Be it because of that finish, be it because of the Kevin Nash stuff with no explanation. There's just a ton of stuff that you, you destroy a fan's trust. And that's the one thing you need is, is someone's trust, which is why I think AEW is doing very well. And I think it's why they sold out the United Center, because while there was always some doubt just because it was CM Punk, deep down, we trusted them enough to go, I think they're going to give us what we want. And that's kind of something else I realized, too. You'll be surprised to hear, no, you won't, that a big um, uh, back and forth, I don't know, I don't even, even gauge these people, but a lot of tweets that I get, at Simon a 316 cheap plug, are focused on the fact that WWE boards, uh, so WWE ups and downs have boards and AEW doesn't. Now, the reason I do do that is because I, I reviewed WWE for four years before I introduced silly things like distraction boards. So I only think it's fair to give AEW a couple more years before we do that too. However, there is a big difference. For example, the Young Bucks have been winning by distraction constantly. And the Young Bucks have been using weapons and bringing in the elite. And after a while, oh, this seems a little bit silly. But what did the company do? They announced a cage match for All Out to stop this. So all of a sudden, I go, well, I don't mind, you know, in retrospect or in hindsight, whichever word we want to use, I don't mind that we did this because it was justified and it's built to something which is going to keep people out. Now, if we get to the pay-per-view and we get a WWE-style cage match where people run in there, you're going to be like, oh, okay, well, that kind of sucks. But if nobody gets in there and the cage actually keeps people out, then you've justified the story. And WWE could do that. Take the most devastating move in all the sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. If there was a payoff to this, and it was put over by the commentators, and maybe you know there was some sort of conclusion, then absolutely you should do as many as you want. But actually what it's become is a crutch for WWE. If they don't know who they actually want to win, they will do the distraction roll-up. And it gets dull because anything gets dull. I've said it a thousand times. You could have had Stone Cold Steve Austin come out 32 times on a Raw at his peak. And around about 27th time, you're going to be like, I'm not really feeling you as much as I was because everything slowly, slowly goes downhill. That is how the brain works. I'm trying to think if there's anything about AEW we need to talk about last week. I thought Dynamite was... I don't like saying one of the more weaker episodes because that's not true. That's way too negative. It was a really good show that I enjoyed start to finish. But I suppose there were a few more segments, I guess, that didn't float my boat as as much. Usually I I struggle to find downs with AEW because I think even the things I don't specifically like, they are so well woven into the story or weaved, whichever one it would be. I don't know. Studied English. I should know this. You know, they they justify themselves. But the QT Marshall, Paul White thing with a distraction roll-up, it just didn't feel like AEW. And it would look, I think you should try these things, but it was a swing and a miss. I really liked Matt Hardy versus Orange Cassidy. I think that got misconstrued, but it just didn't. I was so pumped after the Rampage show. I didn't really feel like that was the correct match to open with to keep my excitement high. And that can totally be on me. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes a down is completely because of the way I approached the show, even if I didn't know it. And while I love the Alistair Black stuff at the end, I'm kind of torn on the Arn Anderson thing. I've been thinking about it all week. Because on the one hand, I think it's awesome. He's flipping Arn Anderson. But on the other, if a 65-year-old man or whatever he is can block the black mass that easy, why did why has everyone just been clocked in the head with it? I absolutely love the fact that it built to Alistair, Alistair Black, Malachi Black giving him a low blow because it establishes his character as a guy that doesn't give a crap. I like the fact that he beat the crap out of Brock Anderson. I, th- I think the whole thing was good. It, and, but it was just that one part with, with Arn, which I'm still six of one half a dozen of the other. And then Lee Johnson comes out and the commentators aren't talking about it and people aren't used to his music. It just felt a little bit rust as if they'd run out of TV time. But these are very minor things. Like it was a really, really good angle with Malachi Black. It's something that we needed to see from his persona. And I presume he's now going to work through the Nightmare family and get back to Cody. Awesome. Uh... You know, Eddie King is, is going to go up against Miro. Eddie King. Eddie Kingston is going up against Miro all out. I mean, who doesn't want to see that? Two big hosses slapping meat. We've talked about this before. Everything with Britt Baker is awesome. I, I, the novelty of CM Punk being on a wrestling show is going to be around for ages. So he can just say and do whatever he wants. And I'll be like, oh, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> and I like the fact that 
excuse me, Darby and Sting were just watching on, especially because they watched Starcade 97 this week, which is, I suppose you could say, the peak of Sting's power, or actually maybe the, the, the swan song. I don't know. You could argue that either way. And I really, really like Dan Lambert being with uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. I think that act has serious, serious legs. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And, and the Jericho MGF thing is fine. I know there's a worry now that we're going to 50 50 it and Chris Jericho is going to beat MGF, but MGF still tapped out Chris Jericho. We still got that when we didn't think it was going to happen. We all thought Chris Jericho would just beat MGF, but he didn't. So even if we do get to the Jericho win now, I would much rather have MGF getting a victory along the way and then this, the Jericho getting the victory and MGF not getting anything. It is a bit weird what's going on with the inner circle and the pinnacle. They, I mean, I actually quite like the fact that AEW took a step back with this. Sometimes I think you can hit people over the head too hard with it, but it did, it did seem to vanish. And the whole FTR thing is crazy. I really hope that I get their names confused, but I really hope that Cash Wheeler is okay. I don't realize how bad that injury was. And flipping hell, man, it was it was terrible when they showed those clips and there was there was other things on social media. And now, of course, they're hinting that they they've got this match against Santana and Ortiz later, and it may be their last one. I'm sure it's a work, and I'm sure they're tricking us, but you never know because they're very good at doing it. But who even cares? The most important thing is health and safety and everything like that. So I truly, truly do hope that they are that they are all right. We should probably see what's happening on AEW tonight because there may be something I'm going to forget about. That's not it. There we go. Bam. So we do have Orange Cassidy versus Jack Evans. Is that correct? Is this from a year ago? No, that seems to be tonight. I didn't know we're getting that. Okay. Brian Cage versus Powerhouse Hobbs makes all the sense in the world. Yep. FTR versus Santana Ortiz. The Elite versus the Jurassic, the Elite versus the Jurassic Express and the Lucha Brothers, which would be a really, really good match. Um, I think that's all that's been announced so far. I haven't gotten around to seeing NXT as of yet just because I have so, uh, so many nice people message me about the NWA shows and about the New Japan shows. And the truth of the matter is I, I just don't have time. And I know that makes me sound like an asshole. And you're allowed to think, Simon, man, you're such an asshole. But, you know, even sleep had to be sacrificed recently. This podcast had to be sacrificed, and I don't want to be doing that all the time. So something had to give, and um, I can't do any more ups and downs. Thank you for asking. Thank you for caring. Thank you for giving a damn. I don't have any time to do any more. I'm not even 100% sure I'll be able to keep doing SmackDown and Rampage. I mean, I'm going to do it for a while. Don't get me wrong. This isn't me saying I'm not going to do them, but it's been tough. (laughs) It's been really, really tough, but that may be with everything else going on, and actually they're okay sort of when the week isn't too crazy. But this is it. The the ups and downs routine we've got now is absolutely uh, the the most that I can possibly do. I do not know how I'd fit more watching of wrestling into my week. And I'm very blessed and lucky to do this. I'm not trying to say otherwise, but, you know, watching Raw, before you even get to writing a script and filming it and clipping it together, that's three hours. Obviously, you know, uh, you've got Impact, which is two hours. You've got Dynamite, which is two hours. Rampage, which is an hour, which is awesome. And you've got SmackDown, which is two hours. So you have all that kind of stuff. And you've got pay-per-view sometimes. I think the last one was like four hours or something like that. And again, I'm very, very lucky to do what I do. I'm not moaning. But trying to fit in another two-hour wrestling show is just not going to happen. But I do appreciate your love. Talking about wrestling shows, let's talk about All Out. Let's try and predict this as much as we can. We have a pre-show, Casino Battle Royal for the AEW Women's World Championship uh, number one contendership. And at the moment, we know Nyla Rose, Thunder Rose of the Bunny, Big Swole, Julia Hart, Ty Conte, Diamante, Penelope Ford, Red Velvet, Shida, Sakura, Jade Cargill, Kira Hogan, and eight other people. Now, as far as I'm concerned, this is surely where Ruby Wright, or Ruby Soho, I believe she's called now, makes her debut. I'm pretty sure there's going to be another debut on this show, so turn your radio down now if you don't want spoilers for the next five minutes or so, probably ten. But I, I, don't, I don't care about stuff like this. I see people going, oh, it's overkill and it's too much. Why do I have to worry about that? Am I not going to react big when I see Ruby Wright? Of course I am. I'm not going to react big later on if we get another debut. Of course I am. You could debut seven people on the show, and if they're all people I want to see and I get excited, good. I could be dead tomorrow. I don't want to worry about overkill. That's for Tony Khan to worry about, and right now he's doing a pretty damn good job, so I trust him to do the right thing. So, yeah, that absolutely cracks me up. But I think you you debut Ruby Soho, and you, you have a win, become the number one contender. What are we waiting around for? It's why I love the fact we're doing CM Punk versus Darby Allen so much. People say, no, we have to build them up. Flub that, man. No, <laughs> just <laughs> just get it done and get it done right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm going with that. And I always enjoy a surprise, especially in this casino battle royals because uh, AEW has a really cool history with that with people arriving and not always having them win. Like Brian Cage won, obviously, but Leah Rush was there. He didn't win. And we had a Matt Seidel and he didn't win. And I swear there was someone else who didn't win as well, but I may be forgetting about it. But I hope that it's a lot of fun. 
the buyout or the pre-show, whatever we're calling is, or the buy-in is usually kind of handled with a little bit more importance than a pre-show on a WWE event, which I do appreciate. But yeah, I'm going for a surprise entry of Ruby Soho and she will become the number one contender, which rocks. Or just give it to Thunder Rosa. That's all right as well, because then you can justify her going after Britt Baker. I'm fine with all of these. We've also got John Moxie versus Satoshi Kojima, which I'm very, very excited about. I understand some people going, they'd rather it was a Tanahashi or an Ibushi or a Naito or something like that. But I haven't been watching New Japan for that long, you know, probably since like 2014, as a lot of us got into it around that period. But I know enough about Kojima to know that he was an absolute badass, and I've gone back and watched uh, sort of the wars that he's had. And they are kind of almost sort of generational talents in the sense that John Moxley is this generation's Kojima. They just do hard-hitting, crazy matches that they want you to believe as much as possible. I also think it's a good thing for John Moxley because I kind of have the idea that he's going to go through a bunch of New Japan guys now and there'll be some he won't be able to beat because of politics and New Japan will ask for something. Whereas Kojima is a guy he can beat. I mean, Joe Doring on Impact beat him. That's not a, a knock on Joe Doring, but John Moxley within the wrestling hierarchy is higher. So if John Moxley can win here and then eventually have a match with Tanahashi that potentially Tanahashi wins, I think then you're giving some stuff back to New Japan as well. The Forbidden Door is working. It's a revolving door. And that's good for all parties all around. And John Moxley is such a he can lose but i think that will rock i think that could be one of the better matches on the show and i'm going the same with pack versus andrade now the build has been bizarre i'm not going to pretend otherwise i haven't understood it uh I, you know uchavo being there and uh, alex abrahantes <laughs> it's just they seem to be mad that penta and phoenix are with pack so they stop cars turning up for vehicles i couldn't even tell you it's not a story that i would try to explain to anybody if they were looking for justification to buy this but I totally believe that Pac and Andrade will have one of, if not the best match on the show. Now, I know there's lots of criticism towards Andrade saying, oh, he's phoning it in or he's not what he once was. I don't get that. I don't even think we've seen enough. I've seen him in two matches. I've seen him in one match against uh, Matt Seidel, I believe. And I've seen the Kenny Omega match down in AAA. Are they the best matches I've ever seen Andrade in? No. But can you still see glimpses of the Andrade we know? Yes. Does it still feel like he's trying to get back on his feet following his WWE run? Yes. I think some people have gone way too harsh on him, which they're allowed to do. I just do not see where it's coming from. And I don't really get who wins here, which I actually think adds to the match because Pac hasn't really wrestled that much because of the crazy pandemic. And Andrade definitely needs a victory for all the reasons we've just pointed out. I mean, does Uchavo do some kind of distraction, interference, maybe throws a weapon in there? Not really what AEW does, and sometimes we roll our eyes. But I would love it if it was just an awesome match and they just gave Andrade the win or they gave Pac the win and they dealt with the fallout afterwards, right? That's what happens in all kinds of sports. Sometimes people get beat and it doesn't make the other people super duper losers. It just means they lost on the night. So I think Andrade will probably take it, but I hope it's just... Uh, his DDT or whatever the hell he's doing these days. One, two, three, and you sell it. Wow, he beat Pac. Can you believe it? Because that keeps Pac strong too. Paul White versus QT Marshall, I think will be fun. I think, you know, Paul White will probably throw around Aaron Solo and Nick Comoroto. That's just their roles, right? It's a fun match. It shouldn't go more than a few minutes. I think it's good to get Paul White back in the ring. I think he has more credence and stock value than a lot of people give him credit for. I'm sure some people will be excited to see, quote unquote, the big show on an AEW pay-per-view. You could have QT Marshall win as well. I wouldn't be completely adverse to that. A lot of people seem to get up in QT Marshall's grill. I quite like him. I think he does his job super duper well. But I don't see the feud continuing that much. So, you know, Paul White will probably just punch him in the face and wins. Chris Jericho versus MGF. If Jericho loses, he will retire from in-ring competition AEW. Never massively liked that, uh, that stipulation. You know, they did it with John Cena and Roman Reigns. And it just convinced me that Roman Reigns was going to win. And it's the same here. It just convinces me that Chris Jericho is going to win. AEW does do a great job in living up to its stipulations, which is a great uh, feeling to inject into any kind of promotion. It just, you know, it doesn't feel like this has been a build-up to a Chris Jericho retirement, and that's the thing. And if they're not going to go back on their stipulations, which I don't believe they are, even though Chris Jericho could jump across the commentary, which he's already doing, I just do not think that you pull the trigger here. It would be, it would be silly. Like, I think if you're going to have someone like Chris Jericho deciding to hang up his boots you do a Ric Flair with it. Like you design a whole story that goes over months, at least, at least months, and then capitalizes in something that people basically know it's his retirement because it's like the CM Punk thing. Then you can you can work with that. So I, I, I think Chris Jericho wins. I think it all depends how he wins. I don't mind MGF losing. Like MGF is the asshole that we're meant to want to see get punched in the face. And he can still come out and dynamite and go, yeah, well, I made Chris Jericho tap out, which he did. 
But I'm intrigued by it. I'm intrigued to see what they're going to do because this has to be the blow-off. You can't do anything else to create... Well, you probably could if you can come up with something else, but I do think you'd be falling back into the law of diminishing returns. But when you take all of that and throw it into a bag, absolutely, I think there's something here. Miro as Eddie Kingston is just going to rock. I wouldn't take the title off Miro just yet because I think he's doing great, but you can actually have Eddie Kingston. You know, it can be a different kind of a match as opposed to the sort of the small, quick guy that takes Miro to his limit. This can be Eddie Kingston stood up to him. They can beat the crap out of each other, have a bunch of near falls. Feels like he's going to win. Then Miro locks in the game over one, two, three, or submission. Nice and simple. Just a really fun match for this night. You probably could make a three-program feud out of this if you really, really wanted to. I love both guys. And maybe you even build it to the New York show. And that's where Eddie Kingston wins a TOT title because that's his hometown. So you get that buzz as well. And you've also planted the seed of doubt because Miro's beaten him a couple of times. Or whatever you want to do. I'd enjoy that. Again, another match of the night contender, especially in a steel cage, the AEW tag titles, the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers. I am so confident that this match will be brilliant. I would, I would bet my, I mean, my entire house on it. I'd own my house. So that's crap. But you know what I mean? I would bet anything I had. I'd bet my luxurious hair because these guys are so good. And I think Matt and Nick Jackson, despite, well, no, this isn't fair. It's only a, a vocal minority. But some people just don't like them. I don't know why. I think, I just think they're awesome. I think they are absolutely in the conversation for one of the best tag teams ever. Not just for their in-ring work. Not just the fact they can work with anybody. But the way that they did, according to their book, and they are correct, changed the business. Like the fact they decided they weren't going to go in WWE, they bet on themselves. They made it viable to be independent wrestler. They made a bunch of money off merchandise, t-shirt, understood how to smash that game. I just kind of think every single thing they've done makes them far more important to the history of pro wrestling than some people uh, give them credit for. And I just think this is going to rock. Penta is brilliant. Ray Phoenix isn't of this earth. I don't know how he does all the things that he does do. And once again, it's an absolutely brilliantly booked food because I don't know who wins. It's in a cage match. I do think that AEW will keep the elite out. It doesn't really feel like the Lucha Brothers have hit a peak right now, much like Jericho to the point you want to change the championships. And I also think if you keep them on Matt and Nick Jackson, because they can have good matches with anybody, that kind of allows you to elevate other tag teams. So I will presume the Young Bucks win, but I think nobody will be given a crap about the result by the end of it. I think, I'm going to say it now, you're going to get really mad at me. I think this is going to be one of the best cage matches ever. That's right. I said it, 20th, no, 1st of September, 2021. And if I'm wrong, you can come yell at me. And talking about how it's not the same across the card, like Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. Love the fact that Chris Statlander's in this position. I think she's going to get better and better as the years go by. But do I believe she's going to win? No, I don't. I think Britt Baker will win. And Britt Baker should win. And then she should go on to feud with Thunder Rosa or she should go on to feud with Ruby Soho if she does indeed turn up. I also think this will be very, very good. I love the fact that Chris Statlander thinks she's an alien. These are the kind of things I want in my wrestling because you can do whatever you want. It will be good. Uh, and then you've got the last two matches. We will go with Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage first for the AEW title. Now, I think this is going to go on last. I think this is going to be the main event because I believe after Kenny Omega wins, which I believe he will, hence why Christian won the Impact World title a few weeks ago, which was very good booking in my opinion. Spoilers. Give you a few seconds. With all the murmurings and all the rumors and everything I've read and everything I've heard, I think it's very likely as soon as he does win, he gets his next challenger, who is a surprise, Daniel Bryan, making his debut in AEW. And the reason I think that is because it sounds like he was going to debut at the Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York, but now there is uh, COVID problems to the point you have to be vaccinated if you want to go to that show, which I agree with before we get into that. And you don't want anything awry to happen. And it's such a big debut. I think it happens here. And if it does, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because having Punk only a couple of weeks ago and then Daniel Bryan. Once again, people go, oh, it's too much. Good, good. Make it too much. Make it like drugs going into my face. It's just going to be awesome. Because they both bring something different to the table. Aside from being great wrestlers and great characters. But CM Punk has this allure over him. Because he did walk away from wrestling seven years ago. And never sold out his integrity. Whereas Daniel Bryan was in the main event of WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> so you know he's an even more current star and one of the best wrestlers ever so just do kenny omega versus daniel bryan at full gear whatever the hell the next pay-per-view is we don't need to wait around because again the more you see daniel bryan in AEW, the more he becomes daniel bryan in AEW, and he loses that luster he loses that originality he loses the novelty it's the same with cm punk you've got to capitalize them on why they're hot and why it just feels like a crazy situation so kenny omega wins celebrating hit the lights i don't care what you do out comes daniel bryan to either uh ride of the valkyries or the final countdown i would do ride of the valkyries because i think more people know that song and then transition to the final countdown 
countdown, all come up with something brand new. Um, for, what would you call it? You're, the final countdown was what Daniel Bryan used to use as the American Dragon on the indie scene and the best end of Ring of Honor. And the best thing is he did it because he read in a book or something or a magazine that it was the worst song ever. So he thought it'd be hilarious to come out to his entrance music, which goes to show why he is so beloved because he's a fool in the best possible way. But that's what I'm going with. And then CM Punk versus Darby Allen. I don't even care what you do. The sheer spectacle of this match. If you want Darby Allen to win and turn him into an even bigger star than he is, awesome. If CM Punk is going to win his first match back and carry on to whatever he's going to do next, awesome. Because Darby Allen is a winner, regardless. He is in CM Punk's first match back in seven years. And CM Punk has spent the last 14 days just putting this guy over like the greatest thing he's ever seen. And there have been countless um, pieces of evidence where this has happened before. Or countless pieces of history where this has happened before. And as long as they have an awesome match, which I totally believe they will, I think CM Punk is a really, really smart wrestler and he tells good stories and Darby Allen is just excellent as we know. I think everyone will enjoy it. I think the fans will go nuts. I think we'll have an atmosphere that we'll talk about for years to come, much as Rampage or WrestleMania 18 or whatever the hell you want to talk about. To the point you're like, well, do, do you care the Rock beat Hulk Hogan? No. You know, it, it'd be one of those kind of things. I mean, I would have CM Punk win because if anything, Darby Allen is more established in AEW than CM Punk. And I think if you beat CM Punk on his first night back, you kind of do take away the uh, the fun of some other matches he could have, especially if he eventually gets to Kenny Omega, which is when I would have him have his first loss. I'd try and get him there when he's still the champion before Hangman Page comes back and wins it. But that's a great 10-match card. I think the whole the whole show looks great. I'm very, very much looking forward to it. I am the rarity that enjoys the fact this on a Sunday night because my job, <laughs> it means I get to watch up, I get up and watch it on a Monday uh, so I can spend some time with my girlfriend on Sunday, which <laughs> she she really does appreciate. But I think this will be the most bought AEW pay-per-view ever, of course. And I also think it will be one of the best ones they've ever done. I, I really, really do. I think everyone's going to deliver. I can't even see a, uh, a gap where it could go bad. And I know, oh, sorry, you're so biased against AEW. I know, what a piece of crap I am. Somebody throw me in a bin. But I'm very, very excited for it. And that's all I need from wrestling. That's the true thing I'm biased for. I'm biased towards excitement. And I think, I just think this card is overflowing with it. And I think Tony Khan probably has some surprises up his sleeve. And as ever, he hasn't let me down so far. So I'm just going to go with it. Outside of that, I don't think there's anything massively going on. Apparently, WrestleMania 38 is going to take, uh, take place over two nights. So I just think that's going to be what happens with WrestleMania now. I mean, I was always for it at one night, but I'd rather have two four-hour shows than one eight-hour show. That was way too much. Uh, CM Punk did officially retire from MMA. He told UFC he's done, which makes sense. Also said that AJ Lee won't wrestle because she's got a broken neck, which makes all the sense in the world. Health and safety first, so people need to calm down about that. Will Ospreay tested positive for COVID, which sucks. I hope he gets better soon. Uh, he's going to miss a couple of shows, but he should be back sort of late September Kurt Angle talked about the fact that he got offered a couple of deals from AEW, but he turned them down as well for personal reasons. I suppose Vince, no matter how loyal he feels to them. And I'm kind of, look, I don't, Kurt Angle should be able to do whatever the hell he wants. But do I need to see, because it was a wrestling contract, some of them were anyway. Do I need to see Kurt Angle wrestle any more matches? I don't think so. He looks like he's seen better days when it comes to his knees because he's put himself through the ringer, to be completely honest. But again, absolutely, he should do whatever he wants to do, but... I'd love to see him in AEW. I'd love to see Ric Flair in AEW. You know, I'd love to see anything like that, but not at the expense of somebody's well-being. I don't think that it's, uh, I don't think it's the right thing to do. And outside of that, of course, we should talk about Adam Cole, which I should have talked about earlier in the show, which I forgot. Probably should have started with this, but hey ho, it's for the people that actually listen to the whole thing. Adam Cole has left WWE. I'm sure you know this by now. I'm. I'm sure that you have your own theories about where he's going to go. Obviously, he's good friends with the Young Bucks, and he. And, and the elite, even though that he's dead, but I'm sure they can bring him back to life. And there's been a lot of teasers specifically from the Young Bucks, be it through, you know, dynamite images that kind of show a ghostly figure, the fact they posted a seance on their Twitter feed and so on and so forth. Now, by the time you hear this, if you don't listen to this on the 1st of September, Adam Cole may have debuted in AEW. He could do so tonight because his contract expired. There is no non-compete. He's done. He's out the company and I'm sure he's fielding offers. Personally, I think that he should go to AEW. I think we talked about this last week, so I'll go over it again quickly. But, you know, AEW will just treat him more like a main event star than WWE will. WWE and Vince McMahon will probably do that for a few weeks. But we know what their new remit is, and we've seen what they've done with other people. On the flip side, I believe this was my point, Busy probably could sign an extra year extension with WWE and see how it goes on Raw and SmackDown. He doesn't even need a non-cut deal because... If he gets cut, he just walks straight into AEW. So he really is in a great position. He went on his Twitch channel recently and said that he wasn't going to give that up. So that 
you know, cast a big question mark over whether he even would be able to be on the main roster. Because as we know, you're not allowed uh, Twitch and whatever else cameo unless it's approved by WWE. But they will make exceptions too. It's not like they haven't done that before. For example, CM Punk wanted advertising on his shorts. They said, no, Brock Lesnar came back. Oh, of course, Brock, you can have whatever you want. So when you're trying to appeal to somebody's better nature, you appeal to somebody's better nature. But uh, wherever he goes, I'm happy. I'd love to see him on Raw. I'd love to see him on SmackDown. I'd love to see him stay in NXT. I'd love to see him in AEW. As long as he is somewhere where I can check him out because he is a a tremendous professional wrestler, then hell yeah. But just for fun, I'll say that he will debut in AEW tonight. I mean, I don't actually think he will. But if I'm, I'm right now... I'm going to feel like the greatest person ever. Braun Strowman has something as well. Braun Strowman on October 1st is doing one of these Free the Narrative 2 like independent cinematic wrestling matches with EC3. Now, they are friends, so that makes a lot of sense. But uh, I don't know. I, I thought Braun Strowman's going to go to Impact. That was certainly the hint alongside Buddy Murphy. Both of those guys are now out of their 90 days, so they, they could turn up on Dynamite. Who knows? I mean, that's not really the kind of thing that I check out because it doesn't really tick my box, but good for them, man. I hope they make some money, and I hope eventually Braun finds his way back to another company, because, you know, why would you want anything else? If you don't want good things for people, you are you are a strange, strange person. And I think, ultimately, that is all the wrestling news. I'm sure I've forgotten something, but you can come and yell at me, and we can move from there. So what we will do is we'll answer some questions. You asked me at Simon316 on Twitter. Thank you so much, as always. And we start with Ashley, who says, in a recent interview, this is on Wrestling Observer Radio, Tony Khan stated that he would like Craven Cottage to be the home of AEW in the UK. Is this venue big enough? As it stands, the O2 would be my choice. We didn't say the venue of choice. You've, you've, you, you, I'm, he said that he would like to do one there because obviously he is uh, an owner of Fulham who play at Craven Cottage, for those that don't know. I'm sure they would run the O2 at some point, but I would much rather they run stadiums that we've never seen run before because it makes it cool as AEW has proved time and time again. So I would love for them to rev- run Craven Cottage. You know, Craven Cottage is a cool old school football venue that most football fans love, myself included. And again, it allows them to stand out from the competition. And that's something they're really, really good at. So, of course, they'll run the O2 at some point because they can. But just don't do the same thing in and out because that's what we do. Let's have some fun with it. So absolutely, it's big enough. I think it holds like 20,000 people uh, when with the refurb. I'm sure you could get in, you know, sure, I think it's 20,000 people for a football pitch. So with wrestling, it'll be even more. Obviously, you need to pick a summer's day, which would be an issue over here in this country. But I love stuff like that. I think it's interesting and creative. Uh, All-knowing hippie says, with the growing tension between Dark Order members, do you think the faction will survive? If so, what do you think will be the catalyst that brings them back together? Love that angle. We should have talked about that earlier. Just one of those ones that you never saw coming. And one that you could probably argue didn't need to happen, but it was so well tied up when it came to the story. You're like, yeah, great. This you, perfect makes sense. You have a friend. He says one thing. People interpret it differently. And now there's kind of sparks within the group. I don't. Think, I think they will break up for a little bit, but I don't think they'll break up properly. And I presume Hangman Adam Page coming back is when they get back together. But that's great. That's awesome. That's a nice little side story that we can enjoy, a subplot. So, yeah. To the point, I want to see what's going to happen later. Are we going to have a match with Evil Uno and Stu Grayson? I think it was Alex Reynolds that walked off. I don't know. I don't know. But something that I wouldn't have done, and this is why I'm not booking wrestling shows. Alex King says, AEW has positive PR, great wrestling, better matches, promos. It seems like Vince will change when WWE begins losing money and all of the ad revenue goes to AEW. What is the Hogan turns heel moment for AEW? Charlotte Roman going to AEW maybe at that moment. Well, I want to make out that AEW definitely has positive PR. They definitely have great wrestling and they have great matches and great promos. I'm not going to say they have better matches because some people enjoy what WWE does. I am one of those people. I thought the triple threat matches on Raw was excellent and I pretty much think every single match on AEW is flipping brilliant, right? So I think it's brilliant all over the place. I don't like this idea of she said, she said, you're better than this, you're better than that. Just take every match as they come and enjoy it for what it is. I know I'm an asshole. I'm completely aware of it. I mean, if you want to talk about a, a seminal moment which pushes them over the edge, I'd say it was CM Punk. Just go look at the numbers it did, the money it made, the metrics, the interest. We have to wait and see long term to see the effect it's going to have. But on a one-night basis, I don't think you could have made any more noise. And I thought it was excellent. I don't think the likes of Charlotte and Roman Reigns need to go to AEW because they're stars in WWE. And we like to pretend that that's not cool, but it's flipping cool. Yeah, it's not cool if you're... I don't know, carrying cross right now, I suppose, but that's not a fair one. If you're, I can't even think of someone that didn't get used and got absolutely obliterated. I mean, there's loads of them. You can pick whichever one you want. It sucks to be that guy. It doesn't suck to be Roman Reigns in WWE. You could probably make an argument. That's the greatest position you can be in all of professional wrestling. Same with Charlotte. 
in with the you know in with the boss in with the company always treated like a massive star making a ton of money like AEW is I'm not I don't want this to get misconstrued I think AEW is brilliant and I get excited about it and I love it but this idea that WWE is 100% bad is not the case it just isn't there are serious issues but that doesn't drag everything else down and if you become Roman Reigns you've 100% made it in the wrestling industry Smash Phoenix says, is there a value to an intentional non-main event title challenger? A challenger for a title when the title match won't be the main event. I'm thinking Christian Cage this Sunday or anybody that gets a shot at the Rumble pay-per-view. Uh, no, I, I think Christian Cage and Kenny Omega will finish the night simply because of the Daniel Bryan impending debut, or Brian Danielson, as I presume he shall be called. Yeah, I just think you've got to go with what makes sense, right? And, and we've done it the wrong way around before. WrestleMania 18, Hogan Rock should have gone on last, but they didn't. It ruined Jericho versus Triple H. And same with Randy Orton and Triple H when it should have been Sean and Undertaker. You just, you do what you think is right. And then in hindsight, hopefully you learn from your mistakes. Tim says, given that live crowds are returning, the talent, point, the talent pool is diversifying and global companies like New Japan seem to be rising in popularity. Would you like some toast? Yeah, I would. Thanks, man. John D. Barker, everyone... Oh, gosh, that's my that's my FaceTime going off. Excuse me. We'll get back to that later. Didn't know the sound was on. John D. Barker says, everyone knows it's dew drops from Monday. Everyone knows it's dew drops from Monday. What did I write in my thing? Don't ask my... Oh, right, I see. Because I said, don't ask my favorite ever match. It wasn't a match, John. Otherwise, of course, yes, it absolutely would have gone into that. Mike Chandler says, my wife and I are going to All Out this weekend. This is my first time going to a live wrestling show. Do you have any advice you could pass along? Just enjoy it as much as you humanly can. Make as much noise as you can. Put a smile on your face. Don't let anybody else get you down. Remember, you're there to be entertained. So if you want to shout and scream and jump up and down like a child, you do it, Mike, and you have a damn good time. Mitchell, hey, Simon, I'm currently retraining to be a wrestler and was wondering what your favorite part of training was or has been. Mine personally is remembering going home, and although I'm being extremely sore, loving that feeling. Yeah, hell yeah, I think that's up there. It's the best one. Knowing that you've had a good session, knowing that you pushed yourself even though you're a little bit sore. I mean, the bumps absolutely suck. We know this, but there is a real sense of achievement and I think that would be my favorite thing too when you nail a flip or you nail a move or you nail something you haven't been able to do first time you get on the top rope first time you do a springboard all of these things are absolutely badass and good for you Mitchell I hope it's really going well Sensatinio which is the best name so far also known as David Berry get rid of that man just be Sensatinio is WWE the five minute crafts of pro wrestling I feel like they are because they both just do things to make content even though it makes no sense also, secondly, question, does AEW feel like WCW? When I watch it, I tend to feel like I'm watching WCW if it didn't fall. Uh, no, I've been watching a lot of WCW recently. AEW's better. <laughs> it just is. It is a more coherent and sensible show. I mean, as for WWE, they are a content provider now, yes, more than a promoter because they don't need to promote because their money is all, you know, tied up. And I don't want that to stop, right? I want WWE to come better as a company from the top to bottom because I think that's better for us fans. But there is a lack of creativity on Raw right now. I think SmackDown does better, but sometimes it also steps its foot in Groundhog Day. But they are a content creator, yes. They absolutely have made that transition. Is that good or bad? You can argue it both ways, depending on how you want a wrestling company to be run. Uh, Alison Wrestling says, what's your favorite wrestling theme song that was licensed for use in wrestling like cult and personality or composed in-house specifically for a wrestler? I have no idea what I would say for A, but Brandon Cutler's theme from AEW is a low-key banger. I mean, license for use in wrestling, cult personality would be in there just because of the kind of um, connotations it has now. Oh man, there's got to be one that I'm not thinking of. I loved it when Sandman used to come out to enter Sandman by Metallica, but technically wasn't licensed. They just used it because who cares? <laughs> so <laughs> that was a Paul Heyman special. But no, I can't think of any off the top of my head now. And in terms of composed in-house specifically for a wrestler, I think Austin's is all time. I think Taker's is all time. I think Kane's is all time. To throw a really random one out there, I thought Owen Hart's Enough is Enough, It's Time for a Change is brilliant. And I still listen to it to this day. Uh, Jeff says, how do you see wrestling evolving in the next generation? I mean, that's so hard to say. I mean, what else is there really to do? We've gone slow, we've gone fast, we've gone quick, and now we're doing flips. I think kind of what we're seeing now is still part of the evolution. It will probably take over for the next 15 to 20 years. And after that, I don't know. Hopefully, I'm not dead. St. Clinton says, A group of us who started watching wrestling from the 1950s to the 70s don't understand what's so great about Omega. We just find him okay. What is so great about him? Well, St. You don't have to like anybody. I can't sit here and try and sell you on Kenny Omega, but I genuinely think he's one of the best wrestlers right now and one of the best wrestlers ever. I think he tells a great story. I think he's athletic. I think his character is brilliant. He makes me laugh. He's entertaining. 
He just ticks all of my boxes. But if you tell me that it's not your style because you're into the more old school stuff, then more power to you. It's just horses for courses. Philly Sports Fan Mark says, if you could have a match with one person from AEW, WWE Impact, which three would you choose? Uh, AEW would be Kenny Omega, WWE would be Roman Reigns, and Impact would be Sammy Callahan. Hopefully one day we can make it happen. We were so close, the pandemic kicked our ass. Benjamin says, you left wrestling, went back. I left wrestling training. I'm thinking about going back. Any tips or insight to help me make my decisions? Just go, man. Just go. What do you got to lose? Let's say you go back, you do a few sessions, you don't like it. You can just stop. doesn't mean you quit. You tried and it didn't work out. Dare to fail. The three most important uh, words in the English dictionary. I am so happy that I went back after a couple of times of trying and not being able to see it through. Now I just get bookings at weekends and it blows my brain. Maybe you'll be able to get to that point. Again, like I say, maybe it'll just be a hobby that you do for a while. But just do it for your brain. And once your brain knows, you can never regret it. Colin says, if you were a booker writer in AEW for the women division, what would you try to do to help elevate it and put wrestlers in the spotlight so they are on par with the men's division? Well, I think they're doing a pretty good job. I mean, Britt Baker's the biggest star in the company, or at least the top two or three. I really like Chris Statlander. I like Penelope Ford. I think Red Velvet's going to be great. I like Nayla Hirsch. There's a bunch. Nyla Rose, she absolutely rocks. Like, comes across like she could kick your ass. I mean, could they have more time on Dynamite? Sure, they absolutely could do. Do I think that will continue to be a work in progress? I hope so. But I, I don't think it's bad at all at the moment. I actually think it's pretty damn good. Jim Cor says, how much water do you drink every day? So he didn't listen to the wrestling spin, but good for you. I have six to seven to eight liters a day, depending on how much I need, because I think water is really important. Mr. Waffle says, would you rather a year-long run as a 24-7 champion that is beloved by fans or a one-day run as WWE champion that is hated by fans as David Arquette's run with the WWE title? Oh, man, you want to be beloved by the fans. I mean, that's the point of professional wrestling is to entertain the people watching. And while it'd be awesome to become WWE champion, it would not be a fun time, as David Arquette has said, to hold a belt for 24 hours and everyone think you're crap. Absolutely the former. Always be in with the fans. Joss says, would the answer to which match do you wish you could see again for the first time be the same as your favorite? If not, which would it be? I don't think so. I mean, it kind of is and it's kind of not. I'd love to see Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin for the first time again. That's my favorite match. But John Cena, CM Punk, Money in the Bank 2011, that was so feverish, that would rock. Um, I mean, there'll be loads I'm not even thinking about right now. Even something like Undertaker versus Kane at WrestleMania, uh, whenever he came back, 20 or whatever it was. I love that because I was such a massive Undertaker fan, so knowing he was coming back as the American bad from the American Badass, and the match itself wasn't much, but the build-up and everything they did made me feel great. So... No, I don't think it needs to be the same. I think you absolutely could find spin-offs of it. Die Gamer says the give me an up Simon are getting sorry, the give me up Simon signs are getting more and more popular. With how in tune with the fans AEW seem to be, do you think there is a chance for you to do some kind of collab with them? I mean, that's completely up to them. I'm sure they know how much I, you know, enjoy their company and love their product and you know who wouldn't want to be involved with a proper wrestling company, no matter who that was, but specifically AEW, that would be great. And again, anyone that does bring a sign, know that you're making my day, you're making my life, you're blowing my brain. If there's any kind of future opportunities, my answer would always be 100% yes. Has there been any contact? No, because people always ask me this. But we wait and see, we sit down. I'm pretty sure they're busy with other more important things. Uh, Jose says, if Sugar Duncanton were to tour in the UK, would you start a program with him? I recall you guys are the very first to submit packages to team up with Sean Spears. If he wanted to, absolutely. That is a good guy right there. We have bumped heads at a couple of shows. Nice dude. Just didn't have to be cool to me, but was super cool to me. Has absolutely smashed it over the last year or so. I would be honored to do that. And I know that I'd learn a hell of a lot as well. Uh, S. Reed says the forbidden door is open. Who would you love to tag team with? Miro, obviously. Also, side note, chasing your dreams is awesome, which you seem to be doing. Do you have any goals for where you'd like to reach in wrestling? I mean, right now, I just want to get back to where I was. You know, I'm still uh, I'm still working out the kinks, but ties into the question we talked about a couple of minutes ago. Any opportunities would rock. If you book me and I'm free, I shall come. SF Native says, could a rumored Becky Lynch heel turn set the stage down the road for a future all heel for horsewoman? I am in the minority here. I don't need to see the four horsewomen. I just don't. I, I don't know what it brings. I think they're all doing amazingly by themselves. If you wanted to do a one-off match, that would be great. But it doesn't really get me that excited. I need to see how this Becky Lynch Hill turn is going to go. Obviously, we only teased it on SmackDown. So there's still room to backtrack or do a 180 should we so wish. I just think she's so entertaining and so beloved that trying to get people to hate her is going to be impossible. But look, if it's fun and entertaining to watch and isn't a Stone Cold 2001 situation, then okay good for you and again if she got to choose this which it sounds like she did then all the better because it's excellent when wrestlers are in that kind of position 
Ironic Teaching says, AEW does not have writers, but WWE has a team of them. Yet AEW's promos and bookings have looked consistently better and told better stories. Does WWE need to trust the talent more and let them build the stories? In one word, yes. Robert says, next time we do pay-per-view is Extreme Rules. Do you think there's even a thing in a PG era? Do you think that's even a thing in the PG era? Also, do you think an Extreme Rules match should always be the blow-off of an intense feud? No, I think you should always be coming up with brand new ideas. And I think WWE has shown they can push the line here and there. I don't really worry about the PG thing anymore. Like, it's not really what got me interesting to begin with. I love stories, and I love the way that stories are told. And you can do that with a U certificate, which is universal. So... Do they need Extreme Rules anymore? No. Do I mind that they go with it? Not massively. It's usually an okay pay-per-view. Christian or Christian says, if you had to wrestle a match to get someone into liking wrestling, which opponent would you choose and why? Dude, no one should be trying to get into wrestling watching my matches. (laughs) Unless the reason they want to get interesting is to watch bald idiots try something and kind of fall on their ass. So if I was trying to do that, then yeah, but I would be the catalyst there. I appreciate your I appreciate your support though. Low key, when do you think Roman versus Brock should happen? I would say Survivor Series. Cena returned after Roman beat Edge, and Brock returned after Roman beat Cena. So when Roman beat Brock, it will be sense for The Rock to come back. I would hold off to WrestleMania. I know that's crazy, but if we don't have The Rock for WrestleMania 38, then it should be Brock versus Roman. I don't want to do it in Saudi Arabia. I'm worried that we will, or that could we may do Goldberg versus Bobby Lashley there instead. But I would hold it off for as long as possible, and I would build, 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 build. You can absolutely do it. I think AEW has proved that. Old school wrestling has proved that. So yes, if somebody put the pen in my hand, I would hold it off till WrestleMania. Uh, David Lamprecht says, how much does wrestling actually hurt? What common move is the most painful to take, and which is the most painful to deliver? All of wrestling hurts, man. I can't give you specifics, but sometimes you can even take stuff that shouldn't hurt, and it kills you. Like somebody posted me the other day, which is when they throw you into the post. And to be fair, they didn't really let me take my own bump, but whatever. And somehow I ended up with a massive welt on my arm. <laughs> like, how does that work? My head went into a post and I got a welt on my arm. That's because you're being grabbed and you're throwing each other around and there's a lot of uh, sort of uh, controlled violence. So yes, but you know, is it a hurt that's going to stop you moving around? No. Is it hurt that you get used to? Yes. But also, is it the greatest thing ever? Absolutely. It is the best. The Most Mystical says, who is a tag team that you like that everybody seems to have forgotten about? For me, it was Air Boom. I'm never going to be able to give you an answer, Mystical, my friend, because again, I would have forgotten about them. And they won't pop up in my brain. But I just say La Resistance for fun. Fizz, if you had to choose wrestlers from WWE and AEW for each team, what would be your dream six-man tag currently? I mean, we do do this a lot. So I'll just throw out some random names. I would take Kevin Owens. I would take Baron Corbin. I would take Roman Reigns. I would take Sami Zayn. I would take Bailey, And I would take Sasha Banks. And I would put them against Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, Kenny Omega, The Young Bucks, which counts as one, because I'm saying it counts as one. Miro and Cody Rhodes. There we go. Boom. Whoop-de-doo. Albert the Brain says, was there ever a spot in a match that your opponent suggested that you were too scared to do? Loads. Anytime someone tells me they're going to jump off the top rope and smash me, I'm like, okay, brother, take care of me. But that basically applies to all of wrestling. All of wrestling is absolutely terrifying, but you do it even more so when you have the, the adrenaline of the crowd. So the answer is every single wrestling move ever. John Feeney says, would you like to see Randy Orton beat Ric Flair's record? I think he deserves to. I don't really care about stuff like that. I know it sounds bad, but records are there to be broken, I suppose. So if Randy Orton wanted to do it, great. If John Cena wanted to do it, great. If Ric Ric Flair keeps it, great. I know some people get really sort of super duper crazy about that stuff, but I'm just kind of like, you know, whatever, it's all good. Ashley says, do you think some of the passion for the actual era stems from nostalgia more than actually being quality wrestling? Do we rewatch it because it was truly epic or because it reminds us of being young? Very deep for a Wednesday afternoon. Ashley, I think you're very right. Uh, I think the good bits of the actual era are still good, but some of the things we look back on are through rose-tinted spectacles. And look, The best way I've ever had it described to me, and I completely agree with this, is the wrestling that you grow up on is the wrestling that you like the most. Because when you watch it as a kid, it's just so much more exciting for obvious reasons. So there's a lot of the attitude era that is really, really bad. (laughs) There just is. And I'm sure in 10 years time, we'll look back on this era and think, well, that's actually worse than we remembered too. But if you were living at the time, it was the energy and it was the buzz that it had. And it did turn wrestling into this mainstream thing, which uh, which was really, really cool. Uh, Till says, Simon, if it wasn't related to your job, would you watch all weekly wrestling shows in their entirety? An example would be me. Since I regularly skip ahead of feuds that aren't interesting, I couldn't watch all five hours of WWE and three of AEW week plus pay-per-views. No, I wouldn't. Probably not. Uh, One of the things that I enjoy doing the most is having the reaction and the feedback and making... 
uh, yeah, making the the videos after the fact. So no, I mean, I would still watch a lot of wrestling, but no, I don't think I'd watch all of it. I think I would pick and choose far more. But again, I'm in a very blessed position where somebody pays me to do it, and it's absolutely, absolutely awesome. Uh, David says, if you could hold any title in wrestling, which one would it be and why? That's a really good question. Because I suppose, given my upbringing, you want to become the WWE champion. But AEW, man, I tell you, I wouldn't mind being AEW world champion. Let's be honest. If any major company gave me any title, I'd do a backflip because I wouldn't be under, I, I would never be able to understand how I was able to get there. Uh, Colby says, what are your top five favorite WrestleMania entrances of all time? Well, The Undertaker would be one. We talked about it earlier. Um, poof, that's really difficult. I don't know. I, I mean, there's been so many. I mean, some of my favorite entrances aren't really sort of the pomp and circumstance ones. Not Macho Man. But like John Cena had his mafia thing and Triple H comes out in his skull uniform. To me, the best ones are just like, I'm sure there's a Stone Cold Steve Austin one that I love. But I'm all for a stupid entrance as well, of course. Uh, Yako says, I know we've done that question. Uh, Christopher says, if Karrion Cross is Karrion Cross, actually Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat or Shokan. Yeah, he probably is. They definitely, definitely, definitely were inspired by that. Man for the Mountain says, in your opinion, what is the reason for AEW Rampage? We have Dynamite that's a main show, Elevation that's a developmental territory, Dark gives indie new wrestlers of the city their chance, Rampage question mark. I don't see this as a second show like SmackDown is to Raw. What a weird thing to say. It's exactly like that. It's just more content for AEW because somebody's paying them to make it, which is exactly the same as SmackDown. I mean, you could just, if we're going to break it down to that, Raw, main show, why have we got anything else? It's just wrestling, dude. I love you because you listen to my podcast and I appreciate you. But I sometimes think we look too deep into this stuff. It's just there. You can ignore it as much as you want. Uh, Dan says, how long until we see CM Punk involved in a championship feud and who should he be up against if not Kenny? Well, it should be Kenny. So I can't answer that one. It should 100% be Kenny Omega and he should get there within the next six months or so. Or maybe he doesn't want to do that at all. I don't know. But he should be in a championship feud because that's he's a super duper star and not to do it would be absolutely nuts uh patrick says simon will you please have a great day thanks man i will you too isaac said who is one wrestler that has grown on you as you've got older uh randy orton i suppose i like now more than ever i might this is my favorite version of randy orton so i'm gonna say randy orton there's my answer uh lou says does cm punk already feel like just another guy or am i being cynical my friend i don't mean to be horrible you are being hugely hugely cynical Karan says which release ww superstar would you bring back for one last push uh bray wyatt probably treat him right for once you know uh gerald says will we ever have a key will we ever have a wrestler follow simon miller's keys to victory avoid outside distractions don't get disqualified use the most devastating move in all of pro wrestling uh, of all of pro wrestling all of sports entertainment you threw me there it didn't make sense Probably not, no. Chris says, so you think advertising matches and then not delivering on them. Do you think advertising matches and then not delivering on them on a regular basis is harming WWE? Well, no. I mean, it's definitely pissing people off, but they're making more money than ever. So it's difficult for me to say it is harming them because, you know, it hasn't. <laughs> T says, because of the ongoing global pandemic, Sean Spears' I Need a Tag Team Partner never came to submission. Me and my Mrs. Pop, when your submission showed up on screen, did AEW ever get in contact? No. And the fact they showed it was more than enough. I mean, that was absolutely cool. I absolutely loved it. And again, if anything's ever going to happen, it would absolutely rock. But I don't expect anything because that would be crazy. And once more, they definitely have more important things to worry about. Oh, where am I going next? Because some of these are repeats. Uh, Jordan, if you had the chance to name a weekly wrestling show, what would you call it? Funny, funny, hilarious, good stuff. Uh, Tony, Simon, if you could pick an intergender tag team partner from anybody active right now, who would you team with? Also, thank you for the great content. Thank you, Tony. Uh, Britt Baker, absolutely, she's massive. Uh, earliest memory of watching wrestling was seeing Bret Hart put someone in the sharpshooter. What's your second favorite match ever? I don't have a second favorite match. I don't really have a favorite match. It changes every single day. Uh, if you could magically have one current wrestler's hair, who would it be? Pfft, who has really good hair? What well, good question. I mean, a Roman Reigns, a Drew McIntyre, a Seth Rollins. All of these would be good. Lung, luxurious locks. Uh, David says, what move makes you cringe anytime somebody sets it up? Mine is the buckle bomb and any sort of pile driver that involves turning or jumping. Anything on the apron. I'm taking, I've taken a few things on the apron and it absolutely 
does suck. Uh, King Stick says, what's your secret of not getting pinned by the roll-up? No, you do get pinned by the roll-up every single time because the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. Don't know why people can't get this through their heads. It's very, very simple. And we'll do one more, and we're going to go for James. My man, James Wilson. Why do you think wrestling isn't as mainstream as other art forms? Is it a genuine lack of interest, understanding from the general public, or gatekeeping from toxic wrestling fans who want to keep it their little niche? Um... I mean, it's not mainstream, mainstream. But again, if you look at the TV charts in America, AEW and WWE pretty much top them every single week. So it does have a popularity to it. I think these days we're just living in a world where most things are niche, aside from the obvious. Like, you know, football is massive. But I mean, video games are far bigger. But, you know, video games are still a niche. It's not like when big news breaks in that world, my dad or my mum hears about it. Whereas if it happens in the movie world, my dad or my mum probably does hear about it. So, I, I mean... I guess it's just a very specific form of entertainment, which isn't going to be for everyone because there's a lot to buy in. There's suspension of disbelief and there's also people's previous connotations towards it, which is they think it's that fake crap, right? Which is, of course, we know is absolute nonsense. But I don't think it comes down to toxic wrestling fans who want to keep it their little niche because you get that in movies too. But I don't know. I mean, the last time it was mainstream, as we just mentioned, was the Attitude Era. And we can absolutely get back to it then, there and then. But no, I, I don't have an answer for you. And I suppose that's the point. If I did, it probably means I could turn it into a mainstream thing. But I still think, you know, it has fans all over the world and they're engaged fans. And again, you know, you can have a match over here in the UK. I had a ma- two matches over the UK in front of, you know, they were deliberately small venues, but they were sold out. And that was like 150 people and 180 people which is a lot of people to, you know, get to come out, especially at the moment. So there certainly is a following, but I guess that it's just a very, like I say, it's a very, very, I don't go with odd, but different form of entertainment. I don't know. Good question, though. I like it. And on that note, we shall wrap up. Thank you very much for joining me, as always. Make sure you do enjoy Dynamite tonight if you are watching it. Make sure you enjoy All Out at the weekend. If you would like to support me, please head over to YouTube, search my name, and give me subscribe. That would rock. You can find me on Patreon.com, Forza Summer 3162. Instagram and Twitter at Simon at 316. I'm on Cameo now, should you want me to scream into your face and say happy birthday. SimonMiller.BigCartel.com for merchandise. And I think that's all of my stuff. But I appreciate you spending your time with me for the last hour. It's always a good time, or at least I think so. And I'm going to guess if you're listening to these words, you agree. That means the world to me. You take care, and I will speak to you all very, very soon. (laughs) 